You're about to enter a world of pain, suffering, and laughter. Give me something good. <laughs> Give me something good. I'm giving you something good. It's called Worst Gig Ever. My it, name's Jeff Carlisle. And I'm Mike Pace, and this is the podcast where we talk to musicians, comedians, artists about their worst shows ever, and this week is no exception. This one, this might be the one I'm the most excited about. This, they're all good. They're all, they're, they're all good. Great. This one strikes a personal chord because our guest this week, Walter Schreifels, of the band Quicksand, the band Gorilla Biscuits, of the band Rival Schools, of the band Youth of Today. The, he had an indelible impact on both Jeff and my musical upbringing. I, I, we, I, I think we bring it up in, in the interview with him in the podcast, but it, essentially I equate getting into hardcore, getting into punk. The reason I play bands kind of is led back to Quicksand. I, I can distinctly remember my aunt pulled out a article about quicksand and it listed off every single band that every member was in i went to the record store i bought every single one of those bands and welcome to new york hardcore and that was it i was stuck which you know thank you very much walter the real question is what was your aunt doing with that issue of thrasher magazine my aunt was a was a metalhead to some extent yeah my aunt was a my aunt was a hair metal fan she really but she had so she had Old copies of Rip and, and it's like That's all awesome. these various magazines. And uh, she gave me Metallica's Black Album because it was too heavy for her. And there you go. And on my end, Sergio Vega, who was the bass player in Quicksand, right. happened to be the very first interview that I ever did in 1995 when it was one of Quicksand's last shows originally at the Academy in New York. They were playing with Texas of the Reason and Civ. Mm-hmm. At the time, and I did an interview for my high school radio station with Sergio, and it was awesome because Quicksand's two albums, Slip and Manic Compression, yep. were really soundtracks to those high school years. And it was really a pleasure to talk to Walter about that whole experience, about his earlier bands and the stuff that he was doing later and it's a great episode it's a great episode it's a great conversation we kind of were able to talk about everything i wanted to talk about i would hope you are just as satisfied by this episode as i am there you go and if you like this one there are plenty of other great ones at worst gig ever podcast.tumblr.com you can look us up on itunes you can find us on facebook rate it download it share it with your friends email us at worst gig ever at gmail.com if there's someone you want to hear on the show or you want to share your own worst gig story we love getting those emails i love it i love it Mike. it's great <laughs> it's great and so here's the uh brown orangutan himself <laughs> was, was that, that's the song a deep cut reference. brown brown orangutan nice deep cut off of manic compression here's walter schreifels on worst gig ever Thanks.
Worst ever. Like I was saying, there's just so many bad ones to choose from. It's hard <laughs> to really just do one particular justice. I guess there's big and bad. There's little and bad. There's big with a lot of coverage. Right. Uh, big, I mean, small, but like intensely bad. Right. Um, what flavor you want to start? Yeah, I've got oh, it all. I've got foreign bad. I've got domestic bad. <laughs> I think I think a, a big and bad. Yeah, is big a and good, bad. Let's and then, start big and bad. Then we go then we'll from get there. To small and bad. Or <laughs> big after. and bad. Okay, I remember with rival schools we played. We were doing great in Europe. Everywhere, like uh-huh. we were just, or so I thought. Um, <laughs> and we were doing really well. We had a single out on all the, the MTVs over there. We were playing festivals, and I had never played festivals with Quicksand, really, maybe here or there. Right. But uh, with Rival Schools, we were, like, really in the the main flow. And I was like, wow, this is great. So we were on this huge festival in France, and I had never, you know, we didn't, I uh, never really connected with the French audience and uh-huh. anything. You right. know, Gorilla Biscuits had some good shows there, and Youth Today, I remember, had a really great show there. But that was the punk scene. Beyond yeah. that, it just died. And, uh, like quicksand, no, you know, I don't, I don't remember anyone caring. So we played in, fr- in France and we go out to this audience, you know, pretty much we got the swing of it. You know, we get the people to clap their hands and, right. you know, how you doing? Yeah. And all that kind of stuff. So we go out to this audience and we play our first song and, or maybe we just came up and it just could feel something in the audience. And it's just <laughs> something like, just sort of like, a wooden feeling, like something like wrong. I, I, right. I you know what I mean. And the vibe wasn't. The right. vibe was wrong. There was something like we come out and we wave and everyone claps and right. and just that shit wasn't working. Right. And I thought, okay, well, it's France, you know, like what the do I acknowledging people wasn't working. Not so much. And we've heard so many people in so, in one space because the room was full. It was like a full tent, probably like five thousand people. Right. And. uh you know, you kind of come on like the, you know, the, the, the conquerors. You want to come up with confidence. Like the first song ended. It's like, yeah, I didn't like that. <laughs> huh? Do you like it? <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, that's okay. <laughs> I'll take that as a We note. got enough. We, we have more songs than that. <laughs> so yeah, here we go. It's a different speed. And in the middle of it, I started thinking like, all right, we got these guys. We got them. And then at the end of it, and it's just like pure, sweet, French indifference. <laughs> right. And it's like, okay, let's just move on to number three. <laughs> and then after number three, you know, I think we got to our fourth song. And then I was just like, you know what? We kind of played some of our best ones. We're starting to get in the middle of the set here. I'm not even that front, you front loaded. I'm not even that psyched on these songs, to be honest. You know, I didn't win you with those. We got a yeah. few on the back end, right? One you might recognize, right? Uh, but um, it just became an exercise in like, holy shit! Like <laughs> these five thousand people do not, not so much don't like us to the point like, fuck you, you suck, right? But just like. Oh my God! How long are these guys going to play so something else could happen? They're in the tent, and you just happen to be playing. Yeah, right. and it was just like, really, and um, you know, and far be it for me to judge them. They paid their money. They're not entertained. They don't care. Sure, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And it becomes a psychological thing of just being like, okay, you don't 
you, you know, when you're playing a show, what, what the ideal situation is people are going to, and I learned it early from hardcore, is like you want some sort of response because if the audience gives you something, then you can, you know, right. mix it up, throw right. it up in the air, toss it around, and then throw it back to them. Right. And then they do a little something, and then you do it, and you're heightening the, the experience. Right. You get more confidence. You get looser. And especially in hardcore, in those small spaces, it's like such a give and take. and like you know, It happens very quickly yeah, and very yeah. intensely. It's very so, easy to feed off the audience. Yeah, yeah, it's very easy. I mean, this is just a, you know, in, in a festival thing, it's a different psychology because you're... Uh, it's almost like a. I remember watching Green Day play uh-huh. at a festival, and them just being. You know, I'm not like a huge Green Day fan. And this was, you know, probably a good amount of time after they had first made their big smash with, uh, you know, Dookie and, right. and all that. But they were, you know, they were kind of like not unpopular, but they were kind of like not on their peak. Right. But they were playing these festivals on the same, actually, in that same kind of era. And I remember just watching Green Day and thinking, like, they treat this audience like a cute little baby. They just, like, tickle it under its chin. <laughs> they touch its nose. Right. The audience is just like this. Green Day were masters at yes. And, um, like, no one, I thought no one could touch them. Woodstock um, 94. I mean, that's all you need. Did they yeah. play that? The, the mud fight. Yeah, yeah, the, the mud infamous fight. Oh, so was that Green Day? Yeah, that yeah. was Green Day. Okay, so they know what they're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I thought of that time, like, hey, I don't, maybe their new album isn't that good. Or right. Maybe the, maybe the hype has died down or something like right. that, but don't count these guys out. They're right. masters. And, um, the psychology is different than when yeah. you play a small club. So going out there and being in front of a whole 5,000 people that, you know, I've played in front of audiences that don't care right. before, but that was just a massive dose of not caring. Yeah. And uh, and just, you know, I don't know how I did. I think I just soldiered through it. I didn't bitch about right. it too much. I guess I could have made it more entertaining for, for yeah. myself. You know, other people, other people would maybe, um, you know, I guess I could have said, hey, you know what? Fuck you, people. Right. <laughs> what do you think right. about that? You know right. what? I just said fuck you to you. Right. Because you are a bunch of dicks. Right. Huh? What do you like that? Here's our new song. Hey, guys, let's play our new song. Our new song is called Fuck You, Fucking Lame Dicks. Huh? What about that? Get a reaction? Like, <laughs> nothing, 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 nothing still. Nothing still. Nothing still. Okay, cool. <laughs> guys, just pack it in. I'm going to stand here and just <laughs> fucking sing the American National Anthem. What is America's National Anthem? How does that go? Let's sing that. Huh? That's good. America's awesome. Let's Freedom prize. Free. This song is yeah, called, prize. Oh, say, oh, say, America, say, America, to the land of the... That would have been fun. Yeah. And instead, I just soldiered through the set. You know, because maybe we were all too serious and I didn't want to stray from the plot. And I just thought, in the end, who gives a shit? Yeah. You know I'm sure. I mean? I mean, it's like you said. It is a different psychology. It's almost like that. I'm sure you also had that, like, learning curve. You're just like, okay, well, now I got to figure out how to yeah. do that. Like, yeah. we talked about before. I just remember going to see my friend's uh, Death from Above 1979 mm-hmm. opening for, like, Nine Inch Nails at mm-hmm. the Garden. I remember being like, oh, yeah, you're the opener. Yeah. yeah, but and then even like Queens of the Stone Age, I remember thinking like they're an amazing band and they're an amazing band live, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but they like couldn't kind of do it. Like it didn't translate because I don't think they were used to. It's a different world. Because then yeah. when Night Nails went up, I was like, oh yeah, you're a stadium band. They know how to like, do it. Did you? Did you, it out. did you feel like you eventually learned how to perform? I think I've gotten way better at it. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, it, I think it is. I mean, the audience is obviously not a big baby, mm-hmm. but um. You know, it's filled with individuals that are, you know, 
some uh, are way smarter than you, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> way right. cooler than you, and, and maybe even have bands of their own that are better than yours, and yet you're playing there uh, to all these different people, and they're there for all different kinds of reasons. So right. they're not just a bunch of mindless idiots, but in, in an audience, when I'm in an audience like that, I don't even necessarily have to care mm-hmm. if I like this band's song. A festival thing is a different deal. It's like, make me clap. Right. You know, make make me be part of a big, bigger thing. And I think that generally when you go to a festival, and I, and I think the I don't go to festivals as a regular dude right. too much because I get my fill by playing them. Sure. But um, I love that experience, and I don't really I'm not judging bands too harshly at festivals because yeah. I'm more judging because maybe because I'm in the biz. Yeah. It's like <laughs> yeah. how they how they handle it. Right. And not everyone does. You know, sometimes. The whole everybody clap your hands thing is stupid, you know, yeah. but other people can do it. I'm like, so it's like to clap my hands. I'm really happy about it. Right. Um, you know, it's finding that balance and, and, and all that. But, you know, someone like, uh, you know, I imagine like, uh, you know, there's a certain reason like you, you want Green Day headlining your festival or Muse. Right. Or mm-hmm. the Foo Fighters. There's a reason they're headliners. Yeah. Yes. Deftones <laughs> on how to do it too yeah. on a kind of, I think in a, in a more, I'm not so much like a heavy music person, but in mm-hmm. that, like Deftones know how to really just do it. And I remember seeing them on uh with the on like Kimmel. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, you figured out how to do Kimmel too. Like when, that's and when Sergio thing. joined For the listener, like, that's Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel for yeah. that when the for Diamond dies. I just remember I remember watching, I was like, Oh, look. Like yeah. you're playing like it's it, it's it felt intense for the first time of like, you know, because usually you watch on you yeah. know band on TV, you're like, Oh, you're playing a different sport. It's a you similar know? similar thing because you in a big thing you kind of wanna like I don't know. You just get more hyped up because it's big. So you have right. to feel like you have to do, you know, push harder, mm-hmm. but naturally right. you're really small yeah. up there. And so it's the, the, the subtle small things are, are not what people notice. It's right. just the, the, your ability to remain calm yeah. on that, that spot. And if you're not ready, if you, if you're not feeling that a hundred percent, I think you better have popular songs that people <laughs> right <laughs> because uh, then they'll then they'll give you more of a break right. if you're just some if i'm in france and some stupid band from america comes on and and comes on like uh you know I, like i owe him something i'm just like right. are you kidding me dude? Right. i'm from france arrival of all, schools yeah really i never jamaican accent yeah arrival of schools i'm i'm just a jamaican in france <laughs> so wait, so let's go let's go back to some of the heavier stuff and and when you were first starting, mm-hmm. and like okay. you're, so we can't just talk about bad shows. Anymore? Oh well, well, we're gonna talk about bad shows okay. across yeah, yeah, yeah. throughout your career. Okay, okay, yes, good. just because there's I'm, more. Just because I'm, I'm more coming up. I'm like, oh yeah, that was Please. terrible. Stay tuned. For yeah. The yeah. So I'm just, I'm just curious, like what when you're getting into hardcore uh-huh. in the mid '80s, when and like living in, you grew up in New York uh, for the most part. Yeah. Oh. So uh, like maybe unlike kids in the suburbs who are like reading about it in zines mm-hmm. and maybe they hear a song on on college radio, like mm. you're essentially right there as it's happening. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of curious how you, how you got involved from the outset. Mm. I, um, there was a radio station from Long Island called WLIR. I mean, of course I got into like, uh, the Ramones and sex pistols, mm-hmm. things that you could buy at Sam Goody. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, which was a record store for those of you tuning in. A record store is where you can go buy records. Yes. Uh, <laughs> for those of you born after Goody got it. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, uh, and then I, uh, there was a, re- uh, sorry, a radio station called WLAR and they used to do a radio show that I just discovered by chance called Midnight Riot. 
And um, I don't know if it was even on that long, but it was right. on. Uh, I, I mean, I couldn't tell you when, but anyway, it was you know, yeah, probably like eighty three, mm-hmm. eighty four, and um, I just kind of discovered it one night, and then so I started recording it with um cassette tapes, and mm-hmm. you know, and then I would listen back to it. And at that time, they were playing. I mean, LAR I listened to anyway because they put a lot of cool stuff from England. Like they would play like the Smith single, like the first, like I heard the first Smith single when it came out, mm-hmm. like um, because they would play stuff that was coming out of England right mm-hmm. away. So I was hearing all that stuff, but then they had the show, uh, The Midnight Riot, and uh, it just sounded like, holy cow, this sounds like... Uh, they played the Dead Kennedys, which I had heard of, but I couldn't find their record. Right. Sam Goody did not cover the, the, the carry yeah. the Dead Kennedys. Uh, you hear that infamous name for so long, you're like, yeah. what? Is this kind of sound I just like? Heard, yeah, I just heard the beginning of uh, Holiday in Cambodia, right. and I was just like, holy macaroni. This yeah. is really what I like. <laughs> yeah. But even on that on that show... They also played, uh, I remember Urban Waste was one of the first bands I heard, mm-hmm. uh, Beastie Boys, like before they were rap. Right. Um, and they were playing like local New York hardcore releases, like that were coming out on Rat Cage. I don't ever remember hearing, uh, AF on it, but yeah, like it blew, blew my mind. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but I lived in Rockaway Beach, so that was really far. And I was also young, I was like 12 years old. And right. it, coming to New York, I wouldn't be able to tell my, my, you know, my mom, like, right. I'd have to leave early Sunday morning, take that whatever hour long train to get into, you know, Greenwich Village right. and walk around for a few hours, try to find a record and come home before dinner time. <laughs> right. Yeah. So without telling my mom, uh, so then I went away for a year, uh, to live with my dad and then I came back and when I came back, my mother had moved to Astoria and, uh, in Astoria, I remember, uh, seeing on a, on a, uh, like a no parking sign or something, a kraut sticker. Uh-huh. And I was like, wow. So I mean, I thought immediately, wow, there must be hardcore people here. <laughs> right. And, uh, eventually I, there's an area called the pyramids and there were skaters there mm-hmm. and punks. And, uh, and I wanted to get in with him, but I was like, wasn't going to like walk up to a bunch of punks and go, Hey, <laughs> never heard <laughs> of this punk <laughs> Uh, but then a, a friend of mine ended up working or, or a guy, not a friend of mine. He became a friend of mine. Started, I was working at Wallbaums and mm-hmm. he was a punk guy and he started working with For the me. listener, Wallbaums is a supermarket. Yeah. <laughs> it was I still in I, effect. I was it, it, it was on Long Island. Oh, they still have Wallbaums. Yeah, yeah, I went to yeah. one this weekend. This episode's going out to Wallbaums. Wallbaums. Yeah, we got you covered. Uh, Mama Gold, her name was, uh, on the Wallbaum's page, what was her first name? They used to have her as the picture. Oh, really? It was this portrait yeah. from 1950, and she used to be on all the like the corn, like yeah. Wallbaum's corn. Or, Beautiful woman, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, the generic supermarket products. <laughs> kind of look like Eleanor Roosevelt a little Beautiful, bit. Beautiful, yeah. stunning woman. Yeah. Handsome woman. Handsome woman. <laughs> good way to describe her. Uh, so anyway, to make a long story short, so I met a guy that was into punk, and from that, I got in with the punks, right. and then I started going to CBGBs, yeah. and then uh, that's how I found got into it and i played guitar so eventually ended up making uh, trying to make a band so you had you had already kind of you've been playing guitar like around this time you had i had played guitar i had had bands and um you know when i was in rockaway i was doing like punk type right. of bands like i remember one of our songs was called we were called not we were first we were called the rodents uh-huh. uh which we changed to not quite <laughs> which was totally stupid. Which was more like prog rock. That's not pretty quite. good. That's uh, a pretty good yeah, name. Quite ten sound actually. Yeah. I guess it's it's like the answer to No Doubt. Not quite. Yeah. <laughs> um, and if you had told me that record was on like Brain Records, I would have been like, "All right, let me pay way too much money for that." Okay, cool. All right, maybe yeah. bleep so, that out. Great name. Yeah, bring it back. Uh, I think it's a great idea. Okay, not this. 
yeah, the rodents and then not quite, and then um, yeah, it actually is kind of a good name that I think about. <laughs> yeah, it. it's, it's smarter it's, than you yeah. would think it would be for <laughs> that. What it is age. is the bass player ended up getting a den on the back of his denim jacket, like uh-huh. he painted not quite on the back of it, <laughs> and it was like this totally like it looked like yes or something, and so that kind of became yeah. the imagery of it in my mind. So then I was like, I don't know if I like this name. I want to be like the Ramones, not like yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> So right. anyway, moving on, um, that was uh, when I came back to New York because I moved to Ohio for a year and I was just doing like not so much hardcore stuff but like kind of more, I don't know, I was really into the Smiths and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But when I came back and I got in with the punks, I started to get really into hardcore right. and I knew how to play guitar and that was the easy way in. Right. So, uh, how about how about an early worst gig? Early worst gig, the first... Just when you first start playing, they're all good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like even... Show's a show, yeah. and the show is great. Well, you're not jaded. You're you're so yeah. energetic. You're, th- you're so enthusiastic. You've found your world. You've found your thing. Your ego's sort of not in this... You're not really trying to maintain any status of... Right. You know, of being, you know, anything special. You're just excited to be there. So having a bad gig would be like, oh, my string broke or something. Mm-hmm. Right. But even when that would happen, it would just be comedy. You know, right. it would just be funny. And um, like the first Gorilla Biscuit show was pretty awful. We were in like a basement of this apartment building. And all the guys from Sick of It All came. And uh, it was just like a birthday party. And it uh-huh. was like so uncool. It was like incredibly <laughs> uncool. And... We played five songs and the most, our friends, the most uncool people were like moshing in a basement and we had witnesses sick of it all who we considered like way cooler than us, uh, for it. But it was still, it was awesome. You know, even though I knew it was like stupid and not playing CBs and like not, you know, we weren't really going to catch fire with that. I th- I still thought, well, that was fucking awesome. Right. Like, I invited a hot girl from school to come see me do that. <laughs> and and actually, I was surprised when she wasn't interested afterwards. Right. And now it makes complete sense now that we're talking about it. I so. pulled the dumber move oh. where I remember my, my high school band was playing some hardcore show at, like, the Tune-In mm-hmm. in Connecticut. Uh-huh. And I think some of, the like, the cooler girls came. Mm-hmm. And I decided to like alienate them because I was like, "This is my scene." Right. I was like, "Don't come here." And now, retro, I'm like, "What was I doing?" Right. Like, they An were actual there. Like, female was in the vicinity. There were three, like, three, like excited right. to see the right. fact Interested. that like you're in a band. Right. You like, could have you could have worked that. Nope. Yeah. No. That was dumb kid up. I, you know. Um. Uh, another kind of question I have about like that time mm-hmm. and and the record, like the recordings that you were making, mm-hmm. like and being like as young as you were. I mean, were you just looking at this as like we're just documenting like what we're doing now, or was there an, was there a, 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 like this intention of like we're gonna make an album? Mm-mm. Like because you look back on, I think we can all agree that like you know hardcore is such a youthful thing, and it's sure. about community. It's really about mm-hmm. the live experience mm-hmm. and and the community aspect of it, and and the records are almost kind of like a document yeah. as opposed to like you know. Sergeant Pepper or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious what your opinion on, at the time, like when you guys were recording, were you just psyched to like be in a studio recording? Was there an emphasis put on like getting cool sounds mm-hmm. or, you know. Mm-hmm. Or did you yeah. blaze right through? Yeah. <laughs> Was it just kind of um, like, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so 
First of all, th- this glass for your listeners, this is an, a really special glass. For the listener, <laughs> Walter is drinking out of a glass. It's a beautiful glass. It's very good. It's, it's, it's got, right? it's got, it's that's our guest glass. Is that a pheasant? I would guess that's some, fe- it looks like The, the question is, do you want more seltzer? I do. All right. I just don't want this experience to end. <laughs> it's got grass. It's like a really golden gold and a red red. It's a very, it's a very, it's a very, put a picture up. It's a fine drinking glass. I drink almost any, I would drink. A lot of things out of that class and enjoy right. that I would. Well, anyway, uh, to answer your question, um, I guess when it got to recording, first we were doing live recordings. I mean, you didn't think about it in the way that you described it either. Like, yes, we have to document the scene. Right. You know, this is a real thing about all of us and our community and we need right. to do it. You didn't think about Just it that it. way. It's much more like, uh, definitely, uh, wanting to, Write a better mosh part. Make mm-hmm. people mosh f- faster, harder, and more for longer periods of time. Right. Um, and to do it in a way that hadn't – was different. You right. You know what I mean? To some degree. So I don't think hardcore comes in with the artistic kind of uh, aspirations that maybe – or n- you don't have the awareness of them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's something like a parallel scene like uh, what – was happening, you know, like what Sonic Youth was doing at the right. same time. Right. Uh, then was that we um, were very connected to what this music was designed to make people mosh at CBGBs and yeah. make people sing along. Yeah. You know, when I think of like an early show that I went to see was uh, Agnostic Front at CBs and just singing along with the choruses and just feeling like, you know, I might not make it out. I'm right. kind of skinny here, and right. this place is packed. Way too many people here. Right. Before anyone discovered me, someone could just step on my trachea, and I could be dead. Yep. And uh, and just going up to try to sing along, and wanting to create something that would make people want to do that too. Yeah. To, to but because I had experienced that, right? Um, I had it in me to to understand what it took. Yeah. And I think that that is the community spirit going forth. But when you get in the studio, I wanted to, you know, I want to, I, uh, there was some records. It was also very competitive. There was yeah. all these other bands and, you know, every band would come like sick of it all. I thought their demo was the best demo. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 on the one hand, I enjoyed listening to it. On the other hand, like I wanted to top it. Yeah. So, um, it's that whole, ju- it's the, we, I've talked about probably before Pat and Oswald talked about it in relation to comedy, but sometimes like it's, Especially when you're younger, it's that kind of jealousy is a is a fine thing if you use it as a map. If it, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like looking at that, it's just like, oh, this is awesome, but I also yeah. want to do this, so let me try to yeah. use that as like this is my pathway now. Yeah. Like for this is my next step, and you know, yeah, I mean, it was just more like they were doing something that couldn't be necessarily imitated because it was so unique, and I thought that's what we right. ended up as as well. But like our band, there was other bands that I thought people did like in the scene that I thought were not good bands. Right. I didn't think they had good music, but yet people would talk about them and write their name right. on stuff. And I just thought Seems like, to be the fucking consistent story <laughs> of the rest of our lives. You know what I mean? It's sort of like, yeah, it's like high, it's like high yeah. school. It's like, yeah. why is she going out with him? Right. He's a fucking asshole. Right. You know what I mean? And like, if she just knew how cool I was, then, you know, and there's that kind of element to it mm. as well. And yep. the sounds definitely, I mean, I'm interested in music. I'm a music, I don't, I mean, I didn't think of myself as a musician then, of course, but, um, I, you know, I, I think I was for a person my age, I, I would say that I was into a lot of different things that my peers were not yeah. Yeah. paying attention to because I think I was 
I was interested. Yeah. Well, going off of that, just, uh, you know, I get Don Fury did a lot of that stuff, right? Uh, uh-huh. That's his name? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, did you have the moment in recording? Cause I had one when I was younger, like where you got in there and they're just like, what is this again? Like, were there, there were people recording or just like, you're supposed to sound like that? Okay, um, cool. Like the people get basically like rock people that didn't or, get it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I remember basically my high school, yeah. uh, hardcore band we record in that uh, the guy recording when I was in the vocal booth was like, he's supposed to sound like that, right? Yeah. No, I cool, didn't, man. I, didn't, I just want to make sure and get the levels right. <laughs> Cause he's in the middle of Cheshire, Connecticut. He doesn't yeah. know yeah. what the fuck's going on. Yeah, like, that's too bad. I, I think, uh, I, I was lucky enough to not have that experience because, uh, I mean, I was very surprised and impressed that you could just go to Don Fury because right. I knew his name, obviously, from the AF record. Right. And, um, yeah, I was surprised that you could just call him up. Yeah. If you give him money, you could work with him. <laughs> right. I thought there would be some other, right. I thought there'd be some, like, uh, you know, more obstacles than that. Right. As you get older, you realize more of the concept of money. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. now I kind of get it. And he would really more. essentially just record you live at right. that time. So He's Steve he wasn't either. really doing anything too particular right. with the sound, but it, the room happened to have a certain sound. And, uh, you know, as we started to record and he got multi-track stuff, we started to do multi-track stuff with him. Um, he's, it he was just awesome. And, yeah. and he was, it was a good person to even, he wasn't such like a, uh, you know, Brian Eno, like, precision sound like let's put let's aim the amps over here like, he wasn't taking his oblique strategies cards no, out he so wasn't doing down. any weird shit it was all pretty straightforward but he had a, an opinion that, that i respected and, yeah. and he was fun to work with and, and i think that that energy as opposed to the other person on the other side of the window being like uh um is that what you're supposed to sound like right. it's no fun it's yeah, like, yeah. Uh, it's but no when fun. it all of a sudden it happened with a you know i think maybe the first time we recorded with Kurt from Convert, just for like Orchid mm-hmm. Records, I was just like, oh yeah, this is fun. Yeah. Well, when it, the guy recording you has opinions that help you and like yeah. is into what is, you know, it's a give and take. But it yeah. sounds like at least you're, you're not being the guinea pig. You're not going to some studio where you have not, like, it's this, uh, Don Fury was like proven and tested, you know, and yeah. so you knew when you, like, he was going to nice. understood, he, he would understand what I mean, when I first went in there, I was trying to not say anything stupid or do sure. anything yeah. stupid because I thought he was sort of on a high level as I eventually got to be friends with him and was able to just talk to him like a normal person. Then it became like a, you know, a really cool dynamic. Mm, right. I did experience that maybe later, you know, with, uh, you know, when quicksands were involved in major labels and mm-hmm. larger studios and people that didn't know who, uh, you know, the dead Kennedys were right. or agnostic front. I didn't really give a shit about that coming at it from having this experience and having a pretty, a pretty good amount of experience for, you know, a 21, 22 year old guy and working with people that have had their own experience, right. but it's so, so different. Yeah. And I had trouble taking direction from people like that. And not because I'm such a, you know, but it's like they're, it's I'm like such a rebel or anything. Talking to someone with a different language, like speaks a different language. A little bit. You know? I had my like, own idea. And I think, especially when you're that age, and mm-hmm. I think you're right to feel that way. Yeah. It's like, I know what I want. And so yeah. this is the way I should do it. But they're saying like, listen, man, you know, this is my experience. Right. And, um, I've had more that side of it, yeah. you know, but not coming up so much. So I think it was interesting. You were talking about being into different things than a lot of your peers. And it's clear that you, your pop sensibility kind of emerged mm-hmm. fairly early. I mean, mm-hmm. with the Gorilla Biscuits record, yeah. uh, records, um, I mean, at the time, I'm trying to think of like a precedent, maybe Dag Nasty or mm-hmm. The Descendants and things like that. But the to infuse melody 
in mm-hmm. in New York hardcore at mm-hmm. the time mm-hmm. seemed like a, a kind of almost like a revolutionary type type mm-hmm. of w- approach. It was a nice thing to to play against. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm just gonna talk about talk about um, your mindset at the time and like maybe some of the other stuff that you were listening to and how you approach like talking to the other guys and the and, and the reaction to playing like poppy hardcore. Yeah. At time. Uh, was there a backlash like? Uh, no, no one, uh, and when we first started the band, it was like, I, I le- definitely loved Descendants, and I, mean, I wouldn't say, you know, I wasn't like geeking on the Descendants, but I mean, it's right. rela- related to, to hardcore. They had really cool pop songs. And, uh, you know, having, you know, I was listening to, like I said, like, you know, Smith's Echo and the Bunnymen, mm-hmm. Buzzcocks, Joy Division, for years. Like, that's the music that I really kind of, I listened to that music before I got into hardcore. Mm-hmm. We're thinking a lot of people in hardcore listened to metal before they got right. into hardcore and then discovered other, mm-hmm. you know, Smiths and things right. like that through hardcore, which is kind of interesting. But for me, it was the other way around. So I couldn't help but as much as I was into, you know, stuff that sounded kind of like ugly and aggressive. Like that, my way of writing, which I was just learning how to do, mm-hmm. was veered more on melody and and pop mm-hmm. thinking, and uh, and um, so that just came through. Yeah. I, I think also like being in Youth Today was very helpful to my songwriting too, because uh, if you listen to like Youth Today stuff, they're really really great pop songs. Yeah, you know what I mean. They're almost they're like show tunes, really, because <laughs> Ray is like really into show tunes. So playing. In Youth Today gave me this a real, I kind of figured out, I mean, there's stuff from Grill Biscuits early on that I thought was good, but when I started playing Youth Today, I, it's like I went, I took a class. Right. And then I could really apply it and found, you know, with, definitely with Siv and with Don and with the band, uh-huh. a, a new voice that I felt like I can, I knew what I was doing. It wasn't hard for me to like, to take something, some really kind of sweet chord progression, change one note in it, uh-huh. and find some message that, resonated in a way that wasn't generic but um but also was like um you know easy to digest right you know and 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 that was and so i was i thought it was really good i was really psyched when everyone else thought so too um and when both of those bands were you know because you really started touring Mm -hmm. around that time and like you said earlier, that all the early shows were great, regardless. <laughs> but when you guys maybe start going to Europe, and and I mean, was there ever more of like a business element where like, okay, we're actually doing this? And was there did any worse gigs creep in in that era? There was probably bad gigs where like um, there were certainly bad gigs, which I'm sure there's on the internet where we just weren't tight. You know, we had different members in the band and. Uh, even though the records, I think, are good, I don't think that we were so... We had our moments, and I right. thought we were pretty good. The, which band are you talking about? Grill Biscuits. Yeah. yeah. And I think, like, Youth Today was, like, an amazing live band, like, untouchable. Like, it was just... It was so great. Mm. Grill Biscuits, we were just, like, a little more patchy, but in a cool way. You yeah. know what I mean? But there was definitely... We didn't have tuners. I would right. definitely break strings on stage, and we would spend, like... 
We just tune on stage. Tune it. I I want. I just think about that way too much. That like in Orchid, I didn't have a tuning pedal, oh, and it was just be constantly because we'd absurd. also be playing on the floor with people knocking into us. So like all you'd hear is a yeah, <laughs> like nonstop <laughs> in between every song. And I'll find videos just be like what the f- how did and no one else in the band deal? had tuners either. So you'd yeah. be like, okay, give me give me your uh, bomb right. strings. Okay, right. bomb, is that it? No, okay, let's try it again in the next song. <laughs> right. And so that's bad, but I think it was kind of not so unusual for the time. Yeah. But uh getting to uh there were some gigs where we got some negative reactions. Like mm-hmm. um we went to Europe with Gorilla Biscuits. I remember we our last show in London. Uh it was really cool, you know, probably like I don't know, not a big club, but pretty, like maybe 400 people or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't know what to expect. So that we were psyched about that, that there would be so many people in England being into us. It was a great show, but we had met these, uh, these strippers, uh, at the, at the bar because it was uh-huh. a bar and one of them was American. And so we were psyched, you know, we were like, I don't know, 19 years old or right. so any, you know, we're hanging out with strippers. <laughs> we're from Queens. Yeah, this right. is like, it's awesome. <laughs> right. And one's American. You can, and one's American relate. and they were talking to us and they were cool, right. cool and into us. So we said, this yeah, you guys roll. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we play, uh, we were doing, cause we, you know, our set would go by so quickly. So we were playing Louie Louie and wild thing <laughs> at, the, at the end of this night to just satisfy everybody. So we're like, you got to come out to, you guys got to, come up and dance during wild thing <laughs> and so the two strippers came up and danced with us i was playing this is awesome this is gonna blow everybody's minds so we're rocking you know the the thing and then you know the show ends and everybody is so pissed off <laughs> and offended and calling us sexist and we just like ruined everybody's good time and we're like why they're dancing yeah, right. you know what i mean that's cool that's not sexist Crass punks are not. Yeah, psyched. they just had that political side that in New York we just don't give a fuck. Didn't about have like in New York you were expected to hate communists. You know right. what I mean? And like right. sexism was not. It's not like we were running around being sexist, but it just didn't occur to us right. that that would not be well received. <laughs> yeah. So did you learn a lesson? Lesson learned. <laughs> lesson learned. No female back That's until, until, until later. Last on. time we tried that one. <laughs> We keep that shit to ourselves. This you count not, the amount of butt flaps in the audience yeah, and be like, a, all right, maybe we pull back on that. Yeah, this is not to be, uh, you know, <laughs> it's not a forum for that kind but, of behavior. Was that, like, I'm assuming the butt flap is something that's been going on. Like, I think of it cr- like as a crust punk thing, like right. a 90s thing for some reason. But I'm I assuming always, the butt flap. appropriated by the grunge uh, yeah, that is true. Phenomenon. But initially it was a circle jerk kind of, uh, yeah. Yeah, style. yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of the grunge phenomenon, that's a perfect segue uh-huh. sort of into like, uh, to quicksand, which mm. I think Jeff and I can both, both attest to as being like a gateway band mm. yeah. for both of us. Mm. I think it probably well, was like, you know, Nirvana was first mm. and then, you know, through Nirvana came a band like quicksand and then oh, cool. from quicksand came like, I can remember all the Christmas, really cool bands. Christmas getting uh, Slip uh-huh. uh, in on the Kill Taker. 
Ooh, and damaged by Black Flag. That's and I was that's, like, well, I guess this is what I'll be doing for the rest yeah, of my life. It kind of really was just like, oh, I figured out my thing now. Like, this yeah. is my life. Yeah, of. that's a lot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Godspeed to my mom. She so, found them all in one wow. store. She got you the Godspeed Black Emperor record. Yeah, Godspeed. You know, I got oh, a real early demo. It was fantastic. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, but so you're still, like you were saying, you're still like incredibly young mm-hmm. when Quicksand kind of um, starts and then... I mean, eventually you hook up with, with a major label uh-huh. at a time when like, you know, Steve Albini's writing that article and it's like uh-huh. such a, so what's, what are you thinking when, you know, being as young as you are, but having the experience you had and then being presented with this opera, like, I, I guess, how did that come about? Um, I mean, I think there was some like sort of, uh, thought that something like that might happen for us because, uh. We were kind of, you know, I felt that hardcore had gotten too violent and was just sort of, uh, it was just so violent. And also with the straight edge thing, I felt like things had become just too much. Everybody's got the same clothes on. And, mm-hmm. um, so I started to tune into other things, you know, and, uh, so the sound was kind of different and, uh, in a way I think had potential to, I thought it had potential to reach a wider audience. So, cause I remember we played hardcore shows and just, it was something like the hardcore people could relate to, mm-hmm. but I also felt that it activated newcomers imaginations a little more quickly mm-hmm. in some way, if that makes sense. And, and yeah. I, so I had, I had, and also, you know, like the sort of crappy kind of mini major labels were quickly approached us like relativity mm-hmm. and whatever important or mm-hmm. I don't I don't remember like those kind of mid-level yeah subsidiaries yeah yeah like basically labels that would completely destroy and exploit the bands that they signed to that right. signed mm-hmm. to them not because they were bad people because that was the business model right um and some of them were bad people <laughs> uh <laughs> can't get around that yeah but at, at any rate so when it started to, to happen, and I guess Nirvana really accelerated it because there was definitely interest before Nirvana, but when Nirvana mm-hmm. happened, I'm pretty sure then everyone got green lights for mm-hmm. like that kind of thing. And so my idea was to break up the band and uh, start a band with this awesome bass player that I knew that was a girl. She was cute. I was going to play drums, <laughs> and Tom's going to play guitar, and it was going to be like kind of My Bloody Valentine, Sonic Youth, like not commercial in any way. Like, right. let's do that instead. And Tom was like, I'm not sure that that's what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. And um, I don't know, man. It sounds like a great idea. You should Wait, Tom, Tom uh, played what? Guitar. Guitar in quick Yeah. Out. So you were going to sign to a major label, break up immediately, no, and then start no, a new No, 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 no. Just not <laughs> sign in the first place. I, I just thought, in, in all honesty, I'm trying to go back to that time. I remember seeing Smashing Pumpkins, right? Smashing mm-hmm. Pumpkins were on Caroline. Yeah. So I thought that would be a good place for us because right. Caroline was kind of cool. Youth Today was actually on Caroline. Yeah. And I thought that that was a band that was doing good kind of stuff. They were hitting, and Jane's Addiction was probably like the model, the biggest cool band at that time yeah, that was right. big. Uh, and so I thought that Smashing Pumpkins was kind of a cool model. So I would have liked to have been in that world. Um, Cute bass player. Get that role. Yeah. So maybe that was yeah. – And uh, Darcy. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so at any rate, 
when the major labels came, I sort of thought like this is not gonna, this is not what I want to do because, right. uh, you know, and it was a way bigger deal to sell out at that time as yeah. well. But I think in the end, it was it was sort of like, um, listen, there's been a lot of build up to this, and everybody's involved. There's right. lawyers. There's like lots of money there, and this is maybe something that you would be stupid to, to just walk away from. Right. And because not only. You know, for all kinds of different reasons, besides the fact mm-hmm. that, that it, there's other people involved. So maybe this is just your little hissy fit right. that you want to take because this is something that's real now. Right. And for whatever reason, that's what I'm thinking. In, in right. Yeah. Well, there's probably was some element of like that fear, that fear that like you, that it is something real all of a sudden. It's like, oh, I have to like take this serious, you know? Yeah. And uh, then it becomes like also there's a different thing. Like I was on independent labels yeah. and not to say that I gave such I mean, I did care about the idea of like, right. doing it yourself and staying indie and not, uh, but I was also psyched that, you know, good bands were getting popular. Yeah. You know, I was happy for that too. So, uh. I think also discredit that age is a big, cause it's, that's a pretty big changing, you know, those are the changing years, you know, you're yeah. becoming a man. So, you know, you're reevaluating everything around. Musical bar mitzvah, if you will. Yes, the musical, musical bar mitzvah. Bar mitzvah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, I could understand that. So I guess in that sense, it was, uh, at my musical bar mitzvah, I, I thought also, yes, yeah, so now I'm going to be a professional musician because I had been going to college, you know, right. here and there. And so then I, I thought about that. But anyway, long yeah, was that on your brain? It. Like, did you want to be a, or were you just kind of like, I, you just keep playing music? I thought music was kind of like a cool lark. Right. You mm-hmm. know, like I was getting some money from it. Right. You know, I wasn't, I had, extra money from right. that it was cool and i loved doing it and i enjoyed playing and stuff like that but it was not something that i saw as a profession right so when it became like okay i'm gonna be in a major label then it becomes more of a professional thing and i don't know whatever i any in the end i said all right screw it let's do let's do it right and you know and and that was always with a bit of uh the brakes on you know right. and because of you know wanted to once you signed to a major label you have the, the there's more people involved and these people are uh, you know, their jobs are at stake and they're going to yeah. try to f- push one way or the other and you got to push back. It's and a business. Yeah. It's yeah. a business. And so, you know, in my, my way, you know, I think the quicksand records are both, you know, there's things, certain things that maybe, um, at the time I would be like, Oh, this could have been way better. Right. And right. I still think if right. people had listened, only fucking listened to me. <laughs> I mean, because you were dealing with the major two, did you end up on, and this could lead to more worse kids. Did you end up on any tours that you weren't like, yeah, how about a, wor- about? a worse okay, Because I know for me, like, the first time I saw Quicksand was on Headbangers Ball. Right. And it's like, that's not really... Okay, that's 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 know. what it, that's a great th- that you brought that up, because that was the kind of thing that I was really had trouble with. Right. Because the thing is, is uh, we were kind of in a weird position, because Quicksand was, like, kind of an aggressive, heavy band. Like, we weren't in the world of, like, we, were, it, we didn't sound like pavement. We right. weren't going to... We didn't have those kind of poppy songs, although right. there was pop in it, but it was it was something else. Mm-hmm. And um, and our management was kind of like metal management. Yeah. So like we had our management managed uh, had managed like Motley Crue right. and uh, heavy metal bands. So Probably we were ha- getting merchandising through Blue Grape. <laughs> Probably, yeah. That, that name sounds familiar. I do, yes, I do. That was Maybe. the shitty metal distributor for merch. So uh, we, we probably were dealing with that. Yeah. Uh, and so we came from something I thought totally much cooler than that. Mm-hmm. But uh, when it came to the uh, forum of, of uh, 
the major label world, the only thing that really even, which hadn't really made its impact yet, but the only thing that you could really point to was Helmet. Right. That had any sort of similarity to us. And then Helmet, you know, when you think about it, really turned metalheads on. It was, yeah. uh, it had, it had the art side because they came from this kind of Glenn Branca, no wave kind yeah. of tinge well, the early to them. AMRAP's things are really. And AMRAP had a certain cool, yeah. cool factor. We were coming from like hardcore. And so we ended up getting in this metal world and there was a lot of pressure for us to have a cool tour. Right. So Nirvana didn't want us, you know, so what the fuck are we going to do? So the thing that we got was Anthrax and White Zombie and White That's Zombie were tour. coming up. So it was like, it was just like one of these, you know, one Did you door. know any of those guys from New York? I, we had played with White Zombie and mm-hmm. I kind of uh-huh. knew them and I thought they were cool to be yeah. honest. Um, I don't know that we fit with them because we were like way more earnest, like involved with, you know, coming from like, we would have been psyched, you know, we had to open for, Ga- for Fugazi. That's right. where we yeah. wanted to be. Right. Um, but there just wasn't a band like that, that at that time. Right. That we could get a tour with that was, that was appropriate for us that in a cool way. So the, the label's like, we need to take a tour. We need to get you guys right. on tour. We need to put you in front of people. This has been offered. If you guys turn it down, the label will lose a lot of enthusiasm and you'll right. be fucked and everything will be ruined. Right. So just go out there and fu- do the tour. You'll be in a bus. Just suck it up. Yeah. So that's what it kind of came down to. And in the end, it's impossible to, to I think there was a b- pretty crucial, decision you know because we were that was like there was money on that mm-hmm. tour you know and that um was a profile on that but you know i think we blew a lot of people's minds that came to that show that were sort of you know into white zombie or right. or, or anthrax that got there early and um because essentially we were opening for white zombie yeah because anthrax were you know, God bless them, but they were on a real downturn. Was that and, like Sound of White Noise? There, like yeah. when they got John Bush. Yeah. Sounding, yeah. So yeah. yeah. So White Zombie were super hot. They yeah. had just hit. They were like selling, you know, thirty, so forty thousand. Were people records. leaving after oh, White yeah, Zombie for sure. before? Yeah. Yeah. Impressive shows. They immediately yeah. scaled the tour down. Uh, yeah. But White Zombie were ca- were carrying it. Yeah. And so we we had in a sense a good spot. So we, I've met a lot of people over the years that were like, dude, I saw you guys. Uh, at that show and it just changed my whole it's like when your mom bought those yeah. records like mm-hmm. it put me on a completely different path so for every you know one of those people well that gives me a good feeling right would it have been cooler for us to tour with fugazi i think yes i would look back and say that was the better choice right. but we didn't have that so in the major label world economically viable do you not think at that for, at, at the time would Fugazi tour with a major label band no they yeah. wouldn't yeah. at that at that point like we had played we had done like a mini tour with them right. but it was before when we were on mm-hmm. an indie right um and uh that was awesome yeah. you know what i mean and like um and we had done some cool stuff but um at that stage you know it's there there's a budget and it was just a different set of circumstances and our manager yeah. was a, a player in that game. And I think in the end, I just think things were the way that they were. And I think that, uh, you know, just made the best of whatever it was. And I think in the end, you know, that people still care about it is a good indicator. And Mm -hmm. I just really never thought that to be honest, and maybe this is the bad thing about it is I just never really thought at that point anyway, that we were a band that was like going to be Soundgarden. We were not that, we didn't have that kind of a, of an appeal. Right. I thought we had a really awesome appeal that was really cool and special and like 
you know, with nurturing could maybe go to some other place. But I just didn't think we were ready to not ready, but we just weren't like that pop. Right. When you guys, right. when quicksand was headlining tours, was uh-huh. there a consistent turnout or was it? It, up it was and imp- down? improving. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we did, I was really, when we, when we broke up, I thought we were at a peak to mm-hmm. be honest. And I thought that was perfect, yeah. you know, in a way. And I think in a sense it, it puts, puts it in Amber, you know, yeah. to yeah. like, to be where we could come back and everyone will be so interested right. in it because we never did. Well, I mean, I, I'm telling you about some things that I didn't think were the coolest things in the world, Sure, but sure. they can be forgotten yeah. to some degree <laughs> yeah. if the records are good yeah. and, uh, you know, the videos aren't so particularly great, but they aren't horribly embarrassing either, mm-hmm. you know. So right. I, I think hey, that, I liked the videos. Yeah. I, like you said, it was the, it's the, it's the, it, I remember seeing it and, you know, it, it, the reason it might have actually been harder at the time is like you're saying, like it was just a different time and it was such a weird transition of everything. Yeah. But for me and for you, I'm sure that was the reason why, you know, I, I, I loved metal and what, but watching the ball, I'd be like, Oh wow, this is something like oh, this is it. different. Yeah. Like I remember that. And even like Rollins bit, like I'd be like, Oh, like you're showing a Rollins band video in between like the accept video for the billionth yeah. time. Yeah. Like I'm like, Oh, okay. Like this is, you know, this is a whole nother world. And this isn't like just, this isn't like grunge crap. Like it this seemed like there was a minute where a hundred were, where no pun intended, where 120 minutes got it. Yeah. And there was kind of a heavy, yeah for lack of a better term, indie rock based yeah. uh uh group of bands. You can um, find the Hazel but video. I, but on I, there, no, but I remember like crib. it's funny because I hadn't thought of Helmet until you brought them up, but they were totally also I bet I got into Quicksand because of Helmet. Of Helmet. Because Helmet were definitely a I remember Helmet Helmet being the they like got signed for a million. And I only remember that because Rolling Stone had a huge yeah. article about like yeah. the biggest post Nirvana signing. Story. Yeah, you know? that was a story. They they loved that story. It was a good story yeah. and they uh and they had more artistic pretensions than we had mm-hmm. and and I mean that in a, in a in, as as praise you right. know what I mean like I don't think I think our stuff was at that point like arty in a way but I still think you know they were coming from some uh, and I think what they were doing was super interesting and catchy in a way that our stuff I don't think it was any less interesting, but right. there's a whole lot. It's easier to get banana, banana, yeah, on yeah. off, yeah, than what we were doing, which is a little bit. More Although nuanced. you you did write Landmine Spring, which is also. Hey, I'm not. Uh, I'm not putting. I think we did amazing <laughs> right, right, stuff. Right. Yeah. But I'm just saying in the context of like why. I mean, he's it, a freaking like jazz guitarist, schooled guy story. who yeah. knew how to write the most simple. And there was ever. All, and there was also a look to the band that was unique. Yeah. yeah. For the music. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that. Somehow got them in 120 minutes mm-hmm. yeah. where we were just sort of like, and eh, not so 120 minutes. Why right. don't you guys just go over the little headbangers ball? Like <laughs> right. that. That'll be good right. for you guys. Here's a dog collar for you. Yeah. Go over there. And we didn't yeah. fit there. So yeah. I think that that was something that when you go in the major label world at that time, that was the game that was being played. And I felt like going into that world, it wasn't super surprising to me but at the other side of it there's a lot of positive things it was cool yeah. well just logistically yeah. at that time signing to a to a major were you able to essentially live off the band for a period and you didn't yeah, have to I mean, do I've been else? professional since that point essentially mm-hmm. like i mean that's just it became a different thing yeah. like all of a sudden i was like living in a cool apartment right you know what i mean right. and i just felt like you know, uh, my shaves were closer and i was just kind of like <laughs> feeling uh more adult, you know yeah. what I mean? Like bought a beeper. You know what I mean? 
top of the line. Like I felt cool. You know what I mean? Right. So that was a good experience. Sky pager. You know what I mean? And certain <laughs> chicks were digging me that I thought ordinarily sure. wouldn't. So right. I, this is this is good. You right. know what I mean? So I, you know, would I have? So when I say like, oh, I want to go on tour with Fugazi and you know <laughs> just really keep it real, like that's not completely true either. Right. You right. know what I mean? So it's just kind of. We're amazing human beings. We're not black and white. You know, I'm not, like there's a complexness to it all. I'm not. I'm. A, I'm. A, a, there's a qu- quite a few, you know, contrasts and and, yeah. and inconsistencies. In, yeah. In, and it always have been. But I think that's who I am, and that's how how I think. You know, it's not so unusual. How about how about another worst gig? Another worst gig. What was another one that came to mind? Um. Mm, this is after Quicksand, and. uh I was trying to get a new band together, a new project. And, you know, Quicksand, you know, breaking up Quicksand was kind of like a, uh, you know, caught people by surprise and it was just pretty harsh decision actually. Mm-hmm. But it set up my next thing really nice in a way because mm-hmm. there was like, what's going to happen next? Right. So I was trying to put this band together and I don't know. I just, I, I sort of lost the plot between the, uh, it had maybe taken a year or something like that, but that you know I had A and R people and and all this involved in it, and things had kind of moved on. So I was getting mixed signals on mm-hmm. on the band. So I started to kind of lose my direction slightly, and I couldn't get a solid lineup together, especially with a drummer. Um, and uh, so I had this lineup together, and this drummer was not like. He was an amazing drummer, but he was just so far out of my scene mm-hmm. that I, I never really felt like this is my guy. But I couldn't either be at peace with the fact that, you know, he's a guy that is playing in my band and he's going to play the songs great. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not about the band right now. It's mm-hmm. about me and what I want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are more comfortable with that. So anyway, I was putting this band together. So we had this show, a secret show at the Kyber in Philadelphia, a little mm-hmm. small yep, place, really in. great room. And we were opening for, um, uh, what was the girls that was in, uh, they were hip hop ish. Uh, Luscious Jackson. Luscious Jackson, but they're, they're, <laughs> Good call. they're side band. Oh. Oh, I know who, I know what it was. It had numbers in the name. It was with a B. It wasn't Butter 08. It no, was- no, the Butter 08 was the Japanese. Thing. Uh, I, it was something B dot dot dot. Something a Tron two thousand or something. Uh, no, it wasn't that one either. Anyway, it was it was something okay, that yeah. they had a kind of a hit single at right. the time, or or something that was happening yeah, with yeah. them, and they were doing this little gig at the Kyber, and we got, you know, put on this thing. So that oh, this is cool. No one's going to know what this is mm-hmm. about. So we get there, and we just been rehearsing, and the songs have just been going back and forth, and I think one of the, the bass player was on drugs and. <laughs> We just got up there, a few songs maybe went okay, and then in the middle of the third song or something like that, the drummer, who was in like four different bands, he's one of these great drummers, uh-huh. but he's in four different bands. Right. And, you know, he'd gig the night before with a salsa band, and the night before that, he was with a jazz band. Terry Bob, he's, yeah. he's a session guy. <laughs> and I yeah. was playing, and I was, sh- I just showed him like three new songs. Right. And, you know, cause I was insecure about what I was doing. And so, it just basically just deconstructed to where there was just like he didn't know what song we were playing anymore, <laughs> and neither did the bass player. And and I was just trying to instruct the people on stage like, here's my band. We're all rehearsed, and we don't. We're playing in front of people, and we just don't even know what song <laughs> right. we're playing. And the buck stops with me. 
So we had CB's booked for the next day, and like everyone was really psyched for the show to come CB's. But our, you know, our, our people from the label came down. And it's like you guys can't play for this. It's all over right. if you do that. So I don't know what story we put up, but we just canceled the show at CB's wow. the next day because it was really something bad. Wow! The band like, just unraveled. The band on stage. unraveled, and uh, you know we were doing like I was. Uh, the music wasn't was pretty good. Like some yeah. of the stuff. Actually, what was the name for this project? That was World's Fastest Car, mm-hmm. and. Uh, we did a tour of Japan with that lineup that was much better. But, uh, at that point, you know, and that's another thing with the major label, there was some, someone bought the company and so then they weren't doing any new stuff. So then I just kind of got put on ice yeah. for a couple so of years. So let me ask you this. So when Quicksand broke up, was there still kind of a, um, a deal in place that they resigned? They took my option. They okay. said, you yeah. know, here's all the members of the band. They, the, and I was the one that they said they picked right. up my option. And, uh, and so when the new people came in, like, and it went, took a couple of years, and then they dropped like a ton of different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, people like Tricky got dropped, right? Or you know Goldie or something like yeah. that. But they kept me, which was cool. And so then they said, okay, you know, I kind of felt like the kid under the desk at Columbine <laughs> right. that came up. And, <laughs> okay, I'm alive. Oh, this worked out. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so then they asked me to make. You know, they said we want to do a record with you, and uh, so then eventually became Rival Schools. And actually, uh, a couple of the songs from the World's Fastest Car. Ended up being in rival school, so I took right. that stuff and and applied it to uh, to that. So you know, it, it was that that gig was pretty. <laughs> that awful. led that led into like two years of in the abyss, right? You know, really? not, well, yeah. Not because the gig was so particularly yeah. right, 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 bad right. that it affected me so deeply. Not that it didn't affect right. me. It did say like, holy shit, dude. That you do not want that. It to hinted happen. at right. larger issues looming. It, yeah, sort of was a, a, a bell weather or something. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. Like a, a canary in the coal mine. Like yeah. That. How did you kind of? I mean, that feels like a, a kind of a long patch. And there's all these like those little patches. It might have like, been shorter, but it right. seemed like a long time. Right, too. right. Like, how did you kind of uh, you know pull yourself through that? Like, you know, just kind of like you know push on. A mixture of things. I mean, one is that the I wasn't dropped. Right. You know what I mean. So I couldn't really. I was in this sort of, you know, limbo. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, when the label kind of got itself together, uh, that I, um, I was, uh, you know, they, they brought me to me and we want you to make a record. So there was new wind in the sales to right. like come up with something. So right. then it was like, all right, so now there's a, a record company that wants to give you money to make up a band. That's, right. that's what, is your right. your deal now? So, what are you what are you going to do with that? Right. You know, and so I put myself to the task. You know, and it wasn't yeah. necessarily. Uh, I didn't really have it down, but I just sometimes you just got to go. You didn't lose your confidence because there are people that were supporting yeah, I mean, you. It was a different game. I had to yeah. deal with it, but then it's just like toughen up, dude. Right. What do you want to do? Do you want to join the fire department? Like, are you going to become what? What are you going right. to do if you're not going to do this? Because that's yeah. a because big this th- is, yeah. This is an opportunity that most people, a, you would have never foresaw, and if you could look at your 13 year old self and find yourself in this position, you would say, "That's that's a dream come true." Right. Here's here's like I mean, Lyra Cohen's in the room saying like, "Walter, <laughs> you're the man. Let's make a record." Right. And. Right. And it's like at that time I didn't even know so much who Lior Cohn is. Yeah, and, yeah. But I knew that he was a a real guy. Yeah, you yeah. know. So it's like screw it, dude. Right. 
hey, the record could totally suck, but you're going to do it. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's, that was the attitude. You're a musician. And, you got to do your job. And you've man. always been doing that in all, you know, all of these different projects yeah, since so then. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, before I came here, I'm listening to demos for my new solo album that I'm trying to get together. And, right. uh, and I can't, you know, for better or worse, I mean, I'm so deep in, it's kind of hard to, Swim right. back to the original shore. You right. Know? I, I, yeah. I, I kind of got to keep going. <laughs> this is the score. This is, this is how we roll now. <laughs> so, uh, look, you give, you've given us a lot of the great stories. You gave us the overview mm-hmm. of all of this amazing stuff. Um, to kind of bring a full circle, which you sort of just did very, very poetically. You put that, put that little ribbon on there. Uh-huh. <laughs> Question that we ask all of our guests. What do you think of the word gig? Gig. It's cool. It's like groovy. Play a a groovy gig, man. (laughs) All right. What time's the gig? When are we gigging? (laughs) It rolls right off the tongue. So in Youth of Today, would you guys say we got a gig tonight? Uh, In Youth Today, it would be, we were more uptight, you know, so we would have said show. If you said gig, you'd probably like get (laughs) Get a boot to the face. Yeah, you would get in trouble. (laughs) Right. Something bad would happen to you. Right. That is. Like a t-shirt would get thrown out or something. (laughs) Something that you liked. Peanut butter in your sneakers. <laughs> well, someone's getting punished. Serious. Um, Walter, look, you just came from listening to demos. Mm-hmm. You got more demos to do. You mm-hmm. got a lot of stuff mm-hmm. going on. So Jeff and I, we just want you to get home safe. Oh, thanks so much, guys. Thank nice you, hanging Walter. out with you. Worst gig ever. 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 ever.